So if you'll stand for the reading of God's Word, I'm going to go into uh, Revelation chapter 21. And uh, if you're in your Bibles, there's version notes. You can, you can, how many of you do the version notes? How many of you, okay, several of you, we can, if you would like to know how to do that going forward, we can get someone to help you with that. As a matter of fact, the jolly green giant in the back, Todd Day's back there. Everybody look back at Todd and wave and say, hi, Todd. Todd will be happy to show you about version notes and how that works. You can save them and always refer back to them. Uh, they're done for you. They're, all the scriptures and my notes in them. And uh, we take time to, during the week to do that for you so that you can have that. So Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. It says 8, but it's actually through verse 7. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Heaven's a prepared place, folks. And it's in perfect detail and perfection, just as a woman gets herself in total perfection that she can on her wedding day. God says he's done that in the city called heaven for us. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. How many right there, I could just stop right now, and we could all shout and rejoice <laughs> that all that stuff's gone. Verse 5, then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. Yes, hallelujah. Thank you so much, God, for this beautiful city that we have coming, God. Thank you for the beautiful future that we have in you and the hope we have in you. And God, I ask you now to speak to us, God. Let the word of God, Father, fall on the good soil of our hearts and grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for what the scriptures teach us about this glorious place called heaven. And now, God, let our ears be attuned to hear what the Spirit is saying. God, anoint me to preach forth your word, not in word and tongue only but also in power and in deed. And Father God, we just declare that this seed will fall on the good soul of our hearts and grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. In Christ's name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hold your Bibles up in whatever form you have, whether it's digital or paper, and let's boldly declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears. Anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen. High five two or three people as you're being seated. Yeah, praise God. Good to see everybody. This gentleman died and went to heaven, to the gates of heaven, and Simon Peter was there to welcome him. His name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. He said, hey, we want to welcome you on in. Come on in. And he said, well, he said, I'd really like to go back to earth and grab my most prized possession. Simon Peter said, oh, we, we don't do that here. We, we don't do that here. He said, oh, come on. God said he would give me the desires of my heart. My desires, I want to go back to earth, and I want to be able to bring my most 
valuable possession. He said, no, no, we, we don't do that here. We, that's just, you know, what was on earth is on earth. Heaven's heaven. We're going to separate the two. That's just the way it is. Well, he was very persistent and he was very insistent until finally he got Simon Peter and the archangel Gabriel so flabbergasted. They said, fine, go back to earth and get your most prized possession. We'll let the big man know. He went down to earth. He came back with a satchel. He stood at the gate. They welcomed him in. When he got in, they said, all right, what was so valuable to you that you had to go back? He said, oh, you're not going to believe this. And he opened his satchel, and he poured out a bunch of gold bars. And the angel Gabriel and Simon Peter looked at him, dumbfounded, looked at each other, looked back at him and said, you went back to earth to get pavement? The things that you hold so dear to your life now are stuff we walk on at best up there. What you think is the greatest thing in the world today will be mere afterthought tomorrow. You see, everyone is interested in the future. You probably never considered it, but much of your existence today is based upon your hope for what you've invested in tomorrow. You can talk about living today and living for today and sing all the one day at a time songs that you want. But the bottom line is, is that we are all looking forward to a future. A couple gets married with a future in mind. A couple gets, has children with a future in mind. A man or woman works a job with a future in mind. Everybody say future. Investments are based upon your hopes for the future or you wouldn't invest in them. Fortune tellers dot the land and they're kept very busy because of some misguided souls who want to know their future. For about 25 bucks, you can dial a 900 number, sit in the comfort of your living room, and have a quack tell you some kind of cockamania story about your future. And they're getting rich because people are desperate to hear about their future. Folks, future is big business. Stocks are sold according to the strength of the past and the hopes or the expectation for the future. People are looking for something to buy into. Something that they feel like is a good investment. But today I want to tell you about the best investment going anywhere. The best investment for your dollar. The best investment for your time. The best investment for your children, for your education, for your marriage, for all of eternity. And that is the church. No, not the building, but the people. Everybody say the church. Every week there are new reports of major problems out there. COVID cases... The Delta variant, cases are going like crazy. You have all kinds of tensions between the red, the Republicans, and the blue, the Democrats, which is at an all-time high. You have states in sharp disagreement right now with the federal government. Governors defying federal orders. Federal orders define the Constitution. States against one state. States against the other state. You have division of people that is dividing homes and families and churches. 
everyone should wear a mask. Nobody should wear a mask. Everybody should get the vaccine. Nobody should get the vaccine. And there is a spirit of division. Listen to me. There is a spirit of division. That is the devil's latest trick with the United States of America. It is the spirit of division trying in every form and fashion and way he possibly can to divide and conquer. And I want to tell you something. We need to get back to the old school ways of where we respect somebody else for their opinions. Amen? If you're strong for the vaccine and you someone else isn't, hey, respect their opinion. If you're strong against the vaccine and they're strong for it, guess what? Respect their opinion. Amen. How about we could go get, get to old, good old-fashioned courtesy and respect for another person's viewpoint? Somebody say amen. I believe that'll preach on the view. Hallelujah. But my point is, is that there's all kinds of stuff going on out there. There's all kinds of divisions. There's all kinds of problems. And you can't take what you consider your most valuable thing with you to heaven. The only thing you can take to heaven with you is other people. Somebody say amen. amen. The only thing you can take to heaven with you is other people. Naked you came out of the womb and naked you will return. And the only reason you won't is because somebody's going to dress you up, put you in a box, stuff you in the ground. Otherwise, you'd leave out of this place naked too. But I want to tell you there is still one ship in the sea of life that keeps sailing right in the course of life. <laughs> there is still one anchor that never moves. There is still one investment that never falters. And it is the church of the living God. And it is because Jesus has bought the church for a price with the precious blood of Christ. Amen. He didn't die for stuff. He died for people. Woo! Somebody shout amen. And I want to tell you there is a bright future for the church today. If you turn on the news and you want to get nauseated and have a headache and feel depressed and doom, gloom, and despair, just turn on the news for about 10 minutes. But I want to get your mind off all the stuff going on and tell you there's a bright future for us. There is a bright, bright hope and a bright, bright future in store for the church of the living God. I want to tell you that Jesus died on the cross and he was raised from the dead. Why? We understand half of it very well in the church today. We understand that he died for our sins and to save us from hell. But I want to preach to you today and the Lord wants to talk to you today about this. God, we understand he saved us from something. But there's another half of that coin and that is Jesus Christ saved us to something. <laughs> Last week we learned that he saved us from a burning hell. But you're going to love today because you're going to find out that he has saved us to a wonderful, beautiful, living heaven. Somebody shout glory. Heaven with him forever. What, what's so special about heaven anyway? So let me just tell you. In all the things I'm going to show you today about that glorious city, heaven is just another city without God. God is what makes heaven heaven. The presence of Almighty God, the visual be able to see Him eyeball to eyeball. To see the nail-scarred hands of Jesus Christ is what makes heaven heaven. Amen? But I want to describe just what a thought. What is heaven like? Heaven is unending, uninterrupted in the presence of Jesus Christ forever and ever and ever. Wow. The best place to see what heaven will be like, I believe, is the Bible. Amen? 
Let's go to the page of the Bible and see what it has to say. So that leads me to point number one, and that is this. Where is heaven located? People want to know, where is it located? Where is it at? Well, I believe, scripturally, I can give you a, a, a general location of where it is. Let's take a look at Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. How you are fallen from heaven. Now, this is God speaking about Lucifer, Satan, when he got cast out of heaven. O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount. Watch this. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. So he's talking about being where the presence of God is in the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Job 26, 7 says, he stretches out the north over the empty space and he hangs the earth on nothing. Psalm 75, 6 through 7, for exaltation or promotion comes neither from the east nor the west nor the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. Notice that the north is left out, letting you know that promotion and exaltation does come from the north. And it gives a, a very clear implication that that's where God resides. Ezekiel 1, 4, then I looked and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the out of the north, the great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself, and brightness was all around it, and radiating out of the midst of the color of, of an amber, and out of the midst of the fire. The northern part of space is completely empty for the most part, except for the north star. All the other sections of the sky are filled with stars, but when you get to the north, there's a north star, and there's really nothing behind it. There's a place in the north that astronomers will tell you there's just nothing there. Well, I believe that maybe God has... Uh, uh, as, 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 as if you were to go to a play and they have the curtain, there is something behind the curtain, but all you can see is the curtain. And I believe, I truly believe this, that based on the scriptures there, that there is a curtain that all we see is space, but on the other side of that, if we could get a glimpse, is heaven. I really believe that. It's in the north. And isn't it funny that when you head up north, you always say, I'm heading up north or I'm going down south. Isn't it funny how that he said he's residing in the north, basically, and that we're going to go up to the north and hopefully not down to the south. Someone say a good amen. The city, New Jerusalem, is located in the third heaven. Paul talked about this in Acts 14 and also one of his epistles. Now, you have to understand that heaven is mentioned. There's three heavens mentioned in the Bible. The first is mentioned in Genesis 1, and that the first heaven describes basically the clouds and the atmosphere. The second heaven represents what we would call the solar system, outer space, the stars and the sun and the planets. The third heaven is what we refer to as what we call heaven where God lives and where one day we're going and our loved ones have gone before. Somebody say amen. So the first heaven is the clouds. The second heaven is the stars and the outer space. And the third heaven is what we're talking about here today. So that leads me to point number two. And you better get ready because this is going to get exciting. Point number two is this, what is heaven like? Man, just poke your neighbor and say, what is heaven like? Well, John 14, 1 through 2, Jesus said this. We've said this scripture many times in this, in this series. 
Yet again, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Now we read in Revelation 21 that he prepared a place for us like a bride adorns herself for her wedding day. Heaven is a prepared place. Heaven just wasn't whimsical. Heaven just wasn't, well, just something just absolutely happened somewhere. The Big Bang Theory happened, and whew, all of a sudden, heaven and earth and everything was created. That isn't what happened. See, the Bible says that Jesus went back to prepare a place for us. In the Old Testament, I've, I've, I've mentioned this before, in a Jewish wedding, a, a man would ask a woman to marry him. She, they would become betrothed, legally married. He would then go back to his father's house. He would build a room on, an extension on to the house. When he had that room ready, he would then go back to receive his bride to bring her where he was also. That's exactly what Jesus has been doing for 2,000 years. Preparing a place for us our rooms, and then he's going to come back, as we know, in the rapture, and he's going to bring us to where he is also. Somebody shout a good amen. So heaven, what is what is this heaven? What about heaven? Well, Revelation 4, I mean, isn't, isn't it, Pastor, aren't we just going to float around like Casper, the friendly ghost? Aren't we just going to be a wandering spirit out there somewhere? Aren't we just going to be out there and just be in some kind of oblivion and it's going to be nothing like what it is here in this life? Well, we found out that hell wasn't that way. Well, what about heaven? Well, just very briefly before I get into some good stuff, Revelation 4, we find that there are thrones, there are seats, there are lamps. Daniel said there are books in heaven. Revelation 8 says there's doors and coals of fire and altars in heaven. Hebrews 8 says there's a sea of glass and there's rainbows in heaven. Revelation 4 through 5 says there's fountains and rivers of clear, crystal clear water. Revelation, many chapters, says there's singing and worship and lots of musical instruments. It sounds a whole lot like to me that there were things that we are used to and we function with on this earth will be in heaven. It won't be just some oblivion. We won't be spirits floating around in space on the clouds. We won't be little babies with an arrow through our heart. We'll be people. We'll even eat. Food is mentioned in heaven, Psalm 78, 24 through 25. He rained down manna upon them to eat and gave them food from where? So is there food in heaven? Absolutely. Man did eat the bread of who? Angels. He sent them food in abundance. Revelation 22 says that there are one tree produces 12 kinds of fruit. Luke 22:30 Jesus speaking he said so that you may eat and drink at my table in the kingdom. Listen, heaven is a real place with real things and real people. Again, we will not be Casper the friendly ghost. We will be people, we will have real things there. It will be like it was on earth only to perfection without all the pain and suffering and sin. At least 15 times in the book of Revelation, it mentions that there are horses in heaven. Now, I don't know about other animals. Perhaps there are. There were animals in the garden before sin. So my thinking is maybe there's animals in heaven 
after sin. I know that the Bible says 15 times it mentions horses being in heaven. So we know there's something there. Psalm 16 says, in heaven there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Now let me just stop right here for a second. I said there is fullness of joy. Do you know what that means, Todd? When you get to that glorious city, my brother, the Bible says you're going to have fullness of joy, which means that you'll have nothing but joy. Can you imagine being in a place where you're never down again? You never have a tough day again. You're never depressed again. You never just wake up feeling down and discontented and disheartened. Uh Uh-uh. You wake up. Well, you don't wake up. You don't go to sleep. But every moment of every day is filled with sheer joy and sheer pleasure. Think of the most joy you've ever had in your life on this earth and magnify it and then that never ends for all of eternity. Now I could just stop preaching right now and say, man, heaven's pretty good, but it's going to get gooder and gooder. Poke your neighbor and say it's going to get gooder and gooder. Philippians 3.21 says, Who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, he will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. You know, Jesus, he was able to walk through doors. He would walk through doors. He would eat food. He told them to put his, their hands in his nail-scarred prints. I want to tell you, we're going to have a body like that. And i got to tell you, I wish I had one like that now, especially October 31st. How cool would it be for when the trick-or-treaters knock on your door to just step right through the wall and go, whoa, and then step back through, and then whoa, and just keep doing it over and over. I'm here. No, I'm not. I'm here. Ah." Can you imagine? They'd be terrified, man. The news would be calling. It would be awesome. Listen, we're going to have a body like that. Psalm 24 says it's a holy mountain. Woo! That means there's mountains going to be in heaven. Matthew 6, 20 says this, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. How do you do that? He's talking about giving here, how we give, giving Christmas shoes, tithes, offerings, all those things, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where the thieves do not break in and steal. I love it. Listen, when you lay up your treasures in heaven, you don't have to have armed guards guarding your stuff. You don't have to worry about thieves breaking in. You don't need an alarm system. You don't need a gun to shoot anybody. You don't don't need a security system or a big old watchdog. You don't have to worry about rust destroying it. You don't have to worry about bugs eating it because when you store up treasures in heaven, glory to God, it is protected for all of eternity. Can you imagine being able to live somewhere where you never have to worry about somebody stealing from you? You never have to worry about somebody being dishonest with you? This man died and he got into the eastern gate and Simon Peter said, come on in. He's walking him down the street showing him mansion after mansion after mansion. Boy, he's just wowed by it. Wow, this is great. He got all the way to the end of the block, the end of the dirt road, way at the end of town. And there was a little shack and he said, well, this is yours. He said, what in the world? Why did I get to the little shack? He said, have you seen all these great places I could live in? Simon Peter said, well, we did the best we could with what little bit you sent us. (laughs) 
Matthew 8, 11 says this, And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob into the kingdom of heaven. Can you imagine what it's going to be like, Dr. Lively, to sit down and talk to Abraham, to sit down and talk to Isaac and Jacob? Can you imagine, Tracy, what it's like to pull up a chair and say, David, sit down, man. Tell me the stories I didn't read about in the Bible. Can you imagine? I believe Solomon got it right at the end of his life, and I, do, I believe Samson did as well. Can you imagine, Samson... Dude, tell me about the donkey's jawbone and killing a thousand people. Can you imagine sitting down and talking to Matthew, the tax collector, and Mark, Luke, and John, and, and, and Paul, and all the characters you read about in the Bible? Can you imagine being able to sit down and have a meal with them? Pull up a chair, man. I want to hear you fill in the blanks of what I didn't read. Can you imagine how cool that would be? Matthew 18, 10, or Matthew 13, 43 says this. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let him hear. We're going to shine like the sun in the heavens. Man, glory to God. I said we're going to radiate with the glory of God. We're going to radiate with the presence of Almighty God. There's going to be something different about us. But I want to tell you, you don't have to wait to heaven to get there. You can have that right now. You ever sat down and talked to someone who's just glowing? I sat down today for about, I don't know, five or six minutes and talked with Dale's granddaughter, Brooklyn, and she's just glowing with the presence of God. Can you imagine what will glow like then? Because the Bible says when Moses was in his presence, he was glowing and shining so bright, they said, put a veil on, dude, you're giving us a sunburn. Matthew 18, 10 says this, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. That's where we get guarding angels from. Their angels in heaven. I believe, according to that, that when we were little in particular, we all had guarding angels. And I'm telling you, I had an experience where I either felt the hand of an angel or I felt the hand of the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure which one it was. But I was driving a four-wheeler, and I was younger, and I wasn't as wise as I am now. And I had that thing in the wind, and I was having a great time till I hit a big tree root and went way up in the air. And it knocked me sideways, and I was barely hanging on. My right foot was, was dangling. My left was here, and, I'm, and I can't let go of the throttle because if I did, I'm going to fall off. So me and the four-wheeler were just going full speed, and I was side-straddling it. That's not good. There was a big old tree coming, and I didn't know what to do. I was about ready to come off, and I physically, not in, I didn't imagine this. I don't, 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 ghosts came and got me. Something physically took my right foot and pushed me back up on that four-wheeler. And I let off the throttle and I said, okay, I better slow this thing down. I don't know to this day if it was the hand of an angel, if it was the hand of the Holy Spirit. I don't care what hand it was. I just know God put me back on that four-wheeler the right way. I remember another time I was having fun out in the ball field, and I'd take that four-wheeler at full speed, man, and I'd crank on that back brake and slide it. Oh, I was having a blast doing donuts. I was having so much fun. It was all fun and games till I was going about 45 miles an hour and hit that back brake, and as soon as it got sideways, it caught on some dry grass, and and I went flying, and the four-wheeler went flying, and every time I rolled, I looked, the four-wheeler was rolling closer to me. Me and the four-wheeler were just rolling together, and it was getting closer, and I could tell I couldn't stop my momentum, but I could tell if I don't get this thing, get out of this way, this four-wheeler is going to crush me. And at the last, I can even remember thinking this thing's going to crush me. I don't even remember praying. I just remember this thing's going to crush me. At the last second, the four-wheeler, just out of nowhere, it was going boom, 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 and it just went, and I went, 
And I got up and I said, well, thank you, Lord. My shoulder was killing me, but the four-wheeler didn't hit me. I still believe that was an angel to this day. There are angels out there to help us. Amen. Luke 10, 20 says this. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I want to tell you something. This is one book you want your name written in. Amen. You don't want your name at the, at the booking book down at the police station. You don't want it on the, at the post office wall or on the side of a milk carton. But this is one book that you want to see your name written in. Because when you stand before those pearly gates, the God is going to look to the angel and say, Is Brian Whitaker, is his name in the book? Yes, it's in the book. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. You've been faithful over a few things. Now I'm going to make you ruler over many. I want to tell you your entrance to heaven is not based on your family lineage or who in your family serves God or where you go to church or if the fact that you even went to church. It is based on one thing. Did you give your life to Jesus and is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? It's the only entrance. And it's the most important part of your history. The most important moment in your entire eternity will be when he says, I have found Tom Vincent's name in the book of life. Woo! Revelation 2.7, whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Man, you have never walked in a garden like you're going to walk in there. Can you imagine getting to see the tree of life, getting the paradise of God? Revelation 5.8 says, and when he had taken it, he had four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp. I want to tell you that means they're playing music. There is music in heaven. Listen, you have never heard musicians like you've heard in heaven. Beethoven was great. Mozart was great. Some of the other ones are great and all that. But you have never heard music like you'll hear when you get up there. Woo! Glory to God. And watch this. He says, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Let me just tell you something right here. You are so valuable to God. Listen to me. You are so valuable to God that God says, you as his child, he, you, you are so valuable that he, your, your prayers don't even disappear. We pray a prayer and we forget and think it vanishes. Put that scripture back up. Go back there if you don't mind. God says, uh-uh. You are so valuable that the angels were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Every prayer you have prayed as a Christian, God has stored it up in a golden bowl. He says, Dwayne Johnson is so valuable to me that I don't even want to lose one of his prayers. We worry about how we're going to pay the next bill or how we're going to get through this problem or when's our kid going to come serve God. We pray and then we worry about all these things. And God says, listen, you're worried about this stuff. I don't even lose one of your prayers. Woo, somebody shout amen. amen. Revelation 5, 9, they sang a new song. They'll be singing there. Oh, listen, listen. Oh, I know Elvis was good and he could stay on tune. I, I know you've heard great choirs before. I know you've heard some of the best of the best. Oh, I know Celine Dion is the second greatest singer in the world. 
Oh, I know. I know about all these people. The first, of course, is Holly. You think there would be any other? I mean, come on. <laughs> Celine need to take a backseat, girl. Listen, you've heard great singers, but I want to tell you something. You have never heard singing like you'll hear there. You ain't never seen a choir like you've seen that choir. I've been to Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. And, man, when they fire up about 300 voices in that thing, man, it'll blow you out. It's the most phenomenal thing I've ever experienced as far as a choir in my life. But when you get there and there are millions in that choir, it's going to shake the heavens. And, listen, nobody's off pitch there. <laughs> Everybody can sing, even me. I can't wait. Glory to God. Everybody's going to have perfect pitch. I'm going to get up there and I'm going to say, hey, hey, everybody. <laughs> I'm going to do something I couldn't do on earth. Glory to God. Woo. And everybody's going to look and they're not going to just pacify me. They're not going to just say, oh, man, pastor needs to know where his gifting is because it ain't in singing. Nobody's going to end up. Everybody's going to actually enjoy it. Amen. I want to tell you, you've never heard singing. You've never heard praise. You ain't never heard no anointing like you heard there. Somebody say amen. Revelation 7, 9, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. I love this. From every nation, tribe, people, and language. Everybody say that. Every nation, tribe, people, and language. Watch this. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. I want to tell you, heaven is a place in this great city where everybody's included. There are no exclusions. There are no superior races or cultures. There are no none of that. Every nation, tongue, tribe, and language known to mankind, if, if they have accepted Jesus, will stand before the throne of God. Amen. How could we dare be prejudiced or racist against someone else? And when we won't have that up there. Somebody say amen. And I want to tell you, if every nation, tongue, and tribe, and language is represented in heaven, I want a church that looks like heaven. Amen. I want to see black African Americans on this stage, and Asians, and Indians. I want to see everybody. I want to see us filled with a melting pot full of people. Somebody shout glory. Does anybody want to see that? I do. Revelation 22, 1 through 2, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Man, how cool would that be? I mean, you get bananas in October. Well, you can't wait till the calendar rolls over because in November you might get apples. And the next month you might get a pear. And the next month you might get a cluster of grapes. How cool. The same tree, 12 different fruits all year long. Verse 3 in Revelation 22. No longer will there be any curse. Can you imagine living in a place where there's no more curse? Can you imagine going to a place where curses no longer exist? The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and the servants will serve him. Verse 5 of Revelation, there will be no more night. They will, need, they will not need the light of the lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. No more night, meaning no more darkness ever. Living conditions in this city are unequaled. God himself will wipe away every tear. Have you ever thought before there are no Kleenexes in heaven? You know why? There's no tears, there's no allergies, and there are no sinuses. Somebody shout glory on that. 
On earth, death is a daily event, but in heaven, death, death is never welcome. Death will come maybe to the gates of the city, but they stand there, the chairs with swords flaming, turn about in every direction. They say, uh-uh, death, you ain't never coming in here. Death is never what This is a city of life. We won't need the services of professional grief counselors, psychiatrists, or antidepressants. Why? Because the Bible guarantees that this will be a city that is sorrow-free. Can you imagine living in a place where there is never another sorrow? Sorrowful thought, where there's no more depression, where there is no more down days, where there's no more, I don't know, I got to pick myself up somehow. Uh-uh. That stuff's gone forever. They don't pick me up because you're always up. There ain't no drugs in heaven. People take drugs to get an upper. They don't need that there because you're always up. Can you imagine being to a place where you're no longer ever sad again? Heaven is a place where the hurts and disappointment of this world have no more sting. Glory to God. Where the frustrations of life are replaced with unspeakable joys. Where the pains of life are not permitted and the failures of life no longer control us. Listen, in that great city, you'll need no more pain centers, no more pharmacies, no more painkillers or prescriptions to fill. Because God guarantees in that city that there be no more pain. Norma, your knee won't hurt you in heaven. <laughs> Tanya, cancer can't exist there. Diabetes, not welcome there. You'll never have to take Tylenol for a headache. You'll never have to take ibuprofen for a backache. You'll never get out of the bed and your joints are hurting and you got to take some pills to give you some relief. Uh-uh. In that city, you will never have another pain. As long of eternity as you can imagine. Man, I wish I'm preaching to somebody. Your heart, there'll be no heart attacks there. There'll be no diseases there. There'll be no sickness there. You will be in perfect health always. Anybody want to go there? There are no handicapped parking places in heaven. Why? Because there's no crippled there. Amen? If you're crippled on earth, when you get there, you'll be perfectly well. Man, I'm preaching to somebody. When you get to heaven, you won't see hospitals. You won't see rehab centers. You won't see funeral homes and hearses. Why? Because in that city, there will be none of that stuff. You won't have sickness. You won't have accidents. You won't have problems. You won't have all this stuff. You won't need any of that. Glory to God. There are no firemen in heaven. Well, there might be firemen in heaven, but they won't be putting fires out because there's no fires. Amen. There'll be policemen there if they trusted Jesus, but there'll be no police work to do because nobody's doing anything wrong. Can you imagine it is perfect utopia? Point number three, heaven's beautiful. Revelation 4, 3 says, and the one who sat there had, just, just listen to the words, had the appearance of jasper and ruby. A rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Can you imagine the beauty of that? Look at Revelation 21, 10 through 20. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. So we know there's mountains. And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her brilliance was like a very costly stone and a stone of crystal clear jasper. It had a great and high wall with 12 gates and the gates were 12 angels. And names were written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel. There were three gates on the east and three gates on the north and three gates on the south and three gates on the west. 
And the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city. Watch this, and its gates and its wall. Check this out. The city is laid out as a square, and its length is as great as the width. And he measured the city with the rod. Watch this, 1,500 miles its length and width and height are equal. And let me just stop right there for a second. 1,500 miles long, that's half the United States. That's halfway between Los Angeles and New York. 1,500 miles wide is all the way from way deep in Mexico to the north part of Canada. 15 miles high is way out into outer space. That's a huge city. You say, Pastor, that's not very big for all the people that's lived. Is there enough room for us? Well, Duval County, Florida, which is where Jacksonville is, they have done studies. There are seven point, almost 7.9 billion people on the planet right now. They say you could put every living soul in that one county if you stood them shoulder to shoulder. One county in Florida can hold 7.9 billion people. What will 1,500 miles wide by 1,500 miles long by 1,500 miles high hold? Wow. In other words, God was expecting a lot of children. We better get busy. And he measured its wall, check this out, 72 yards. I mean, three-quarters of a football field is how wide the wall is. According to human measurements which are also angelic measurements. The material of the wall, listen to some of this, these beauties, was jasper. The city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundation stones of the city wall were adorned with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation stone was jasper. The second, sapphire. The third, chalcedony. The fourth, emerald. The fifth, sardonyx. The sixth, sardius. The seventh, chrysolite. The eighth, beryl. The ninth, topaz. The tenth, chrysoprase. The eleventh, jacinth. The twelfth amethyst. Can you imagine seeing just the beauty, the beauty of those stones that we see so valuable today? The perfection in heaven. One little granddad was walking with his little granddaughter. And it was a beautiful country night. And there were stars were so brilliant. And he was pointing out, that's the North Star. And that's the Little Dipper. And that's the bigger. He's pointing out constellations. And the little granddaughter's just fascinated. She finally looks at him. She says, granddad. He says, yes. She said, if the bottom of heaven is this beautiful, can you imagine what the top side looks like? Revelation 21, 23, 27 says this, and the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Ladies, these are pearls too big for you to put around your neck, but they're beautiful. Each one of the gates was a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illuminated it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory in it. In the daytime, for there will be no night there, its gates will never be closed. And they will bring the glory and honor of the nations into it, and nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever enter in, into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. How many of you think it's important to have your name in that book? Revelation twenty two twelve says this, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. He's coming soon, folks. The very next 
to last scripture in the Bible, Revelation 22, 20. He who testifies of these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. All right, I'd like for you to put your Bibles down. And for just the next moment as I close, I want you, I want, I want nobody moving around because I want you to visualize this. I want you to picture this in your mind. I want you just to close your eyes for just a moment. And I want to set the tone for 100 years from now because 100 years from now, we're all going to be dead and gone. And let's just say that I take you by the hand and I'm able to walk us through into heaven. What would we see? Now I'd like for you to look up at me. As we get into heaven, Simon Peter walks us over to a group of people and they're sitting there in front of the choir singing and musicians playing. And there are thousands upon thousands of them. And they're listening and they're smiling. And they're, and they're talking about. And it's like they just can't get enough of the beautiful singing. And they can't get enough of the instruments and, and all the sounds going on. And we say, Simon Peter, what, what's going on with this group of people? He says, oh, oh, these were the people on earth that were deaf. But when they got to heaven, they can hear. And they're so excited to be able to hear, it's like they can't hear enough. Then he walks us over and we see people walking through these fields and they're pointing to these flowers and that flower and, and this bush and, and this tree. And then they're looking at the throne of God and the different colors and they're staring at the gates and they're pointing to one another. They're pointing out and they're all kind. I mean, they just can't get enough of the colors. They're saying, what's the deal with these people? He says, oh, these are the people on earth that were blind. But now they can see and now they just can't take the colors in enough. And then we walk and we see adults, thousands upon thousands of them. And they're running through the field and they're playing hopscotch. And they're playing tag. And they're chasing one another. And some are just running just to run. And we think, what in the world is going on? He says, oh, oh, these are the people that were paralyzed on earth. But when they got to heaven, they have full use of their extremities. And they're so excited to be able to move their legs. They can't just help but just run. They just run all the time. So, wow. Then we walk over and we see millions upon millions of children. And they're sitting there and we notice Jesus is comforting them. And they're just sitting there taking in breaths. <gasps> and they just smile at each other. They don't need to say anything. They just look and they smile. And they just take in breaths. And Jesus has his arms around one simultaneously the other. And they're being comforted to say, Simon, Peter, what's the deal with these children? He says, oh, these are all the aborted babies. They're now being comforted by Jesus. And they're breathing in deep breaths because they never got to take a breath in this life. And then we take one more journey. And by the hand, we walk to the throne of God. And there are billions and billions of people around the throne. It's a sea of people, but yet somehow we can still see the throne room. Somehow we can still see Jesus eye to eye. And he directs our attention to the east side of the altar and we see someone familiar. And we look and it's loved ones that have gone on to be with the Lord before us. It's grandparents that we hadn't seen in years. It's family members and friends, church members that have died before us. And we're so excited to see them. But remember, this journey through heaven is years in the future. And we look and I say, well, that looks like that. That's me. Sonny, that's you. Geneva, that's you. And I say, that's us worshiping. 
at the throne of God. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. No games right now.